0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1496 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's episode is brought to you by the good folks at Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use the promo code MB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed with Game Time. And I wanted to take the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, places like Spotify, Apple. YouTube, etc. And I'm joined today by my good friend, Mark Schindler, who covers the NBA and WNBA and college basketball and the NBA draft everywhere, basically on the internet, including with Dying With Me, Tag The Role Podcast, WNBA.com, etc. Mark is fantastic. He's joining me for a two-part episode. There's actually going to be part one that you're about to listen to right now, covering some Hawks stuff, as well as the NBA draft and what the Hawks are going to be looking to do at 15, a little bit at 46 as well at the end of the podcast. But a good time to go ahead and tell you to, to check out the rest of the archive. We've been talking about the draft quite a bit, in recent days, I did a two-part episode with Zach Milner earlier this week, who actually is the co-host of Mark's at Tag the Roll. I did an, a, a sort of bonus podcast, more of a mailbag-style news rumor podcast that dropped on Wednesday afternoon. There was a locked-on NBA mock draft that went into the feed on Thursday morning. I've had Glenn Willis on the podcast multiple times in recent days, Richard Stamen, Ben Pfeiffer. But a very, very busy time. I think this might be the record as far as non-emergency podcasts in the same week, but we're uh, churning out content because the draft is coming very, very quickly. It's going to be next Thursday, so we're less than a week away from the draft at this point in time and a lot to get to on today's podcast. Again, it's going to be part one of two with my friend Mark Schindler. Without any further delay, we'll have the intro. I'll be back with myself and Mark talking about the NBA draft, the Hawks, and everything else in between. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day day. I am joined now by a good friend, a returning guest, and a genuine basketball expert across various platforms. Mark Schindler is here. Hello, sir. How are you? Brad, I'm good, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well. I I should joke this now. I think you are one of the people who has as many or more jobs than I have. So congratulations (laughs) to you on that. Uh, Most of mine Uh, are uh, kind of in the same vein. You covered WNBA, all all kinds of stuff. So you're very busy, man. I appreciate you taking some time, especially this close to the draft in the middle of WNBA season two, you know. We're talking about a week or so before the draft, and uh, it's it's a little bit crazy. The rumor mill has begun. I'm sure you've seen some of the stuff, um, I guess, thankfully, yeah. or maybe not thankfully for me. The Hawks have not had a huge rumor yet. There's been little bits of things hey, everywhere. Podcasts, though. So there's a- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's still time. Um, but before we get to some draft stuff, I want to kind of get your thoughts on the Hawks in general right now, because on one hand, they have this roster that's kind of set. They have 10 guys under contract. It's their top 10 guys. On the other hand, I think almost no one expected him to kind of just run it back. So uh, what do you think of when I ask you about the Hawks? Like, where's your head at with the Hawks right now? You know, draft, no draft, organizationally, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I uh, I mean this in the nicest way possible, too. <laughs> but, like, I just spent the last two weeks in Atlanta Atlantic because so I'm moving there, as you know. Yep. And I think I thought about the Hawks once when I was there. Yeah. And that's, like, that's yeah, yep. kind of where I'm at with this team right now. Um. And I mean that, again, like I mean that in the nicest way possible without trying to sound disrespectful. Like, I just – that's very indicative to me of where this team is at. I think that they need to make some real moves, exactly like you said. Um, I think for me, I'm going to really struggle to look at this offseason as a good off season if they don't finally make some kind of decision with John Collins. Um, I feel like I've felt that way for the last two years <laughs> because it's felt like, you know, it's been there, it's been impending, and especially with how this last year went for him, you know, maybe – Quinn has some different idea of how things can go. But at the same point, like, I just think when you look at how everything else is, what their spot is like at the five and how difficult it can be to kind of mix and match some of their lineups uh, with the kind of player John is. And that's I mean, again, I think John is really, really good. We've talked about this before, but I just continue to be in that place of, okay, well, I think for them to really thrive, it's time to. To move in a different direction with the way that things are going. Um, that would be kind of my first sentiment there. Sure. And then on top of it, I mean everything else just needs to be about maximizing their two players that they have on near maxes in, in Trey and DeJounte. Like, if we're not, you know, if you're not taking those steps forward with this, and then what are you doing? And they're in a weird spot too, of like, okay, they're kind of in between like they have like like you mentioned, they have a set core, but also. They're not in the upper crust of the of the Eastern Conference. I mean, maybe that changes with. Obviously, I mean that's why they made a coaching change. I think it's a lot more than just coaching. Um, but they're they're just in a weird spot of like they very much need to make something shake because I, they can't yeah. they
0: can't run it back. Just like you said, yeah, that's kind of where I am too. And it's like not a sexy answer, you know. I think listeners get mad at me when I say that. Like my only conviction is that they won't run it back. And I, and I do believe that. I'll be shocked if they if all 10 guys that I'm talking about that are under contract are on the roster a month from now, I will fall on the floor. I'll be very, very surprised. <laughs> um, I mean, you focus on John. that's The national focus, it seems to be almost always on John, and that makes sense. He's been on the, on the block for th- literally three years. It's it's wild. Um, and I've made the point, and I'm not even sure if it's controversial at this point, I think the only way they could really keep John is if, is if, is if they move on from Clint and kind of yeah. do a little bit of a of an interchange there play John a little bit more at the 5 play more with more of the kong wu and even then that's that's kind of a half measure in that um I talked to somebody that, that knows things today I would tell you who it was I will not say it on the on the air um and they had the same thought like it's almost like if they find if they can't find a deal they like for John like the solution kind of like that is to go ahead and move on from Clint and that kind of makes you at least have some thought process that you could start to maximize John again, because like you said, he's, he's a good player. I think everybody knows that it's just that they're not using him in the way that he has to be used. I did a whole show about that recently with with my friend Willis, but It's this weird situation. And I think even on his side, like, I'm sure he's ready for this to be over this entire, you know, never ending cycle of will I be traded or will I not be? What's my role going to be, et cetera? And like, it's not only that, but it does kind of have to start with really the front court in general. But I think Collins be the most obvious example of that. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin when I wear Bird Dogs gear and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you that sculpted look that you're looking for. They fit much better than regular shorts that happen to be made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs also fixes that issue by inventing their cloud knit fabric. that looks just like khaki, but also stretches, giving you that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any kind of movement. They also have anti-sweat Wicking fabric to keep you cool and dry all day long. In the end, Bird Dogs makes awesome products. and You're going to have to want to check out all of what they have going on at birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. When you get there, use the promo code locked on NBA as well. When you do use that code, you get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order with Bird Dogs. One more time, the place to go is birddogs.com slash locked on NBA.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause like you mentioned too, like, I think people look at that and be like, well, yeah, just move on from Clinton. I'm like, well, Clinton was like their second best player for large stretches of last year. Yep. Obviously again, like as he kind of does every year, like he he can have some ups and downs, but largely he was really good. And I think when you, if you remove him, I think that that just craters the defense from where it, even like, I mean, it, it got to respectable last year. I think that was mostly because of him and what he was able to do anchoring the back. And I think if you remove that, that's just – that's easier said than done to be like, well, look, we're so much better. Because as much as I love Onyeka and what he can be, like he's still a lot more theoretical as a really good player than there yet. And I think part of what could be really huge this next year for their their growth, like they have guys who could really pop with a new coaching staff and in a new environment and, and with another offseason of development. But like you can't bank on that just happening and be like, well, we're going to be better next year because – we're, we're going to make you be better. Like, it's just,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that there, and I understand this, th- this thought process. Like, I think there's a lot of maybe around the team hope in that Quinn can change a lot of things. And I think that's, that's reasonable. I think like you said, it's the reason why they made a the coaching change. I, I do believe that this team would be better than it was last year, just with the, another year. And with Quinn, that does make yeah. sense to me, but how good the team is, is a different question. Like better than last year is not where they want to be. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of money invested. There's a whole tax concern that I will not talk to you about in this podcast, but like they have a lot of money committed. They have 10 guys under contract, all this stuff. And I don't think that anyone, including Quinn and Trey and Tony wrestler, whoever's going to be satisfied with, with a half step forward by running it back. Like, that's not really going to work. So, um, you know, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what, what the big changes are going to be, but I, I do want to ask you about the young guys real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned guys who could, who could pop under, under, uh, under Quinn obviously a lot of focus on the last two first round picks, AJ and Jalen. I know you talked about them a lot as draft prospects. Jalen had a great, uh, Jalen had a, a good, a really good second season after kind of a lost rookie season. That was not his fault. AJ was really good by rookie standards. Um, but, and I'm sure you can understand this uh, and, and you'll definitely hear it as you move here. Um, that means in Hawks land that they have to start and play 35 minutes a game now, because they're, yeah. th- that's what happens. So uh, what do you make of them and kind of how this whole thing shakes out? Because Deandre Hunter is a kind of a question mark too. They have a lot of these Sadiq Bay here. They have all well, these that's, parts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what made it so weird too, because I thought for me, the idea was uh, not to the same extent that the Pacers did, because I think the Pacers was like more of a teardown. Um, obviously more on the fly and it was like kind of just a one season thing. But I think with, with the Hawks, I was like, all right, bring in Quinn kind of refresh the, the, the air. Obviously they, they brought in Ajante and, you know, things just didn't pop this year. So trade off some of the veteran players and try and focus on, on development while being very competitive still. Um And I think then they make the, the Bogdan resigning. And I like, I like Bogdan Wiganovich, but not at the number that they signed him at and you know me i don't give a shit about numbers like (laughs) yeah i will as long as it's like close enough like fine pay the guy but the numbers that he got with the injuries that he's dealt with and what his play has fallen off to i was like i i do not see it especially for like for me i was like okay i think bogdan is the guy You maybe you try and send him to another team and and say hey you know like we're going in a different direction. Obviously, it was a big part of their Eastern Conference Finals run, but things have just changed. I'd rather see younger guys in the wing group. And now it's like, well, okay, we have this guy who we're paying what, like twenty-five million dollars next year. It feels oh, it's not that much. I think it's no, close it's to less than it.
0: that. But it's
1: yeah. like twenty, but it's regardless. Uh, not to get too exaggerated, but <laughs> I, I think, like to me, that was just that was one of those ones where I was like, I don't understand that process at all.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think it was basically that they thought it was a tradable number, but for a guy who's has the, the knee issues and all that. And yeah, it's, they they've had some conflicting mood. Move- Not that any, I mean, I, I like that deal more than you did, which I think is a low bar to clear by some of what you just said, but yeah. it doesn't kind of jive with everything else to your point. Like they, yeah, they bring in. Like it wasn't, it wasn't
1: awful, but it was just for where the team is at and how this year went. It just very much felt like kind of a, uh, um, just like a, a a weird divergence from where everything else was going.
0: Makes sense. And yeah, they have these young guys who I think that everyone agrees can be better and will be you would hope with with AJ and Jalen. And uh, but there are guys in front of them, you know, if, if they move Collins for, you know, the I'm not going to call it a rumor. Jake Fisher reported today that there had been talks at some point between the Hawks and Mavs basically it's almost a salary dump for Collins to get D- Davis Bertans back in a deal to save money, all that stuff. Yeah, and if you do that, like okay, it's Jalen Johnson time in a lot of ways. It's Sadiq Bay in a lot of ways because you can't rely on, on Davis Bertans. But I don't know. I, I my guard is up on whatever they do with Clint or John or both. They're probably not going to get a ton of NBA help back. I would guess yeah. it's going to be more cost cutting and all that stuff. So uh, it kind of leaves uh, on the bright side for the draft. There's some uh, potential openings because I think. It was reported by ESPN uh, the other day that the Hawks are having trouble having getting guys in for draft workouts because they have these 10 guys and they have this weird situation where, like, if you're a, a potential lottery pick, do you want to go to Atlanta and have 10 guys in front of you and all this stuff? So uh, as we go to the draft a little bit, I mean, 15th in this draft is not a bad place to be, I don't think. But what do you think of this slot? And, like, obviously they could move around uh, if they wanted to up or down, but do you think they can get kind of a useful player there? And how, how do your tiers break down around where the Hawks are?
1: Yeah, I think there's like five or six guys to me who are all like very high end players in this draft. Uh, I think actually cut off for me is probably seven is where I'd be at. And then there's like a little bit of a mid tier um, from like the the top, like the middle of the lottery. And then I think from there on out, though, I actually do like the depth of the late lottery. But the problem is, like when you're talking about the like, like, I think you're looking at more guys who, OK, they're late lottery because they have talent, but also like there are some very clear flaws in their game that maybe they have a lower floor or their ceilings a little bit more capped. So I think in general, when you're looking like like that, how many of these guys are going to be able to not that you have to be an immediate impact player coming sure. into the to the NBA. But um, I think for a team that would like to get an immediate impact player, like when Taylor Hendricks was slated to be a guy who was more of like for me, mid to late lottery now it seems like I don't necessarily agree with how high he's getting mocked now. Um, I get some, people, some people do with really like, <laughs> uh, you know, immediate impact. I'm not as much on that. Um, at least, you know, it just depends on the team for sure. But um, like for me, getting another like versatile forward, somebody who can play three, four um, who can just be part of diversifying the lineups a little bit um, is what I'd really like to see. So, the, the, the long story short is I think there are solid options, but none of them are really going to fix anything for the Hawks.
0: Yeah, and I I always say that rookies are not good. That's the kindest way that I will put it most of the time. There are there are exceptions. I think AJ actually helped yeah. them in certain ways this year, and that was about as good as it possibly could have gone for a mid-week. Yeah,
1: and not, not to cut you off, but I think no, go ahead. Part, of, part of that is, like, that's the thinking for me. Like, I agree, like, generally rookies are not going to be, you know, immediate positive impact players, but I think it's more of, like, okay, well – can you work the idea of what they do into what you're doing consistently? And I yep. think when you look at AJ, like, okay, well, they went from having nobody who could really shoot off screens and off movement. So like, Hey, we have somebody who we can literally build sets around because he's that good of a shooter. And if you're able to get somebody like that, like, I think I don't, I know it's not like the sexy name. I'm very high on him personally. Um, but Jordan Hawkins to me is a guy who like, I, I, th- I would probably have more questions about, you know if you're pairing him up with that backcourt just given what like unless i really want to play a lot of three guard i'd be kind of a little bit more like hesitant on him for the hawks but in general like especially when you think about like pairing him up with Onyeka, somebody who's an awesome dho partner and you know kind of evolving as a, as a as a playmaking hub like i think that kind of stuff is really interesting and that's somebody who again i don't think he like i actually would be pretty high on him being an immediate impact guy as a rookie and I do think that there's a lot more to his upside than he tends to get credit for in, in draft circles. But um, exactly like you're talking about more like specialists in that area when you're talking about guys who are going to come in and have more of an immediate impact or or be able to, to be closer to
0: that. Today's show is brought to you by GameTime. If you've ever been trying to find tickets to a big event at the last minute, it can be stressful. out the best idea for your wallet or your emotional state. After all, buying tickets should not be a hassle. And with GameTime, it really isn't. GameTime is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater. You can avoid stress, start getting hype for the fun that you're actually going to have at the event because GameTime has killer deals and the best price guarantee. Summer is here. There are all kinds of events around me in Atlanta. I'm sure there are around you as well. And with GameTime, it can be really easy to find awesome deals. Plus, you can also see the images of where your seat's going to be when you get to the event, and they have protection. If your event happens to be canceled, forget all the months of planning in advance, there are tickets right up to the day of the event at game time. The game time guarantee also means you go the best possible price. If you find tickets in the same row in the same section for less, you'll be credited 110% of the difference with game time. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can watch tickets just a matter of seconds. It'll be sent directly to your phone to make things very easy on you. Download the GameTime app right now. Create an account. Use the promo code On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account with GameTime. Redeem, redeem the promo code On NBA for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. I was going to ask you about Hawkins actually. So let's stick there for a second. <laughs> you know, on one hand, like you you kind of referenced it there, there might be a little bit of a fit concern with the current backcourt in that, you know, there are some deficiencies potentially defensively. He's not the biggest guy in the world. But on the other hand, like the shooting is really, really interesting. I almost want to pair him with Grady Dick because there seems to be I was I'm surprised, but it seems like Grady Dick could actually get to this range now. I thought he was going to be gone by this point mm-hmm. the last few weeks, but I saw him mocked there. I can't remember where today, but someone a reasonable, you know, mainstream place had him mocked the hawks i was like oh okay that's lower than i've seen them to this point um not that you have to compare them t- together but i had that thought like these these two uh you know shooters for lack of a better term and they have some other weaknesses but like you mentioned hawkins he's a guy i haven't talked about a lot because I, I don't i don't love the fit on the first blush but also, also i don't want to say this you don't want to not take a guy because you have bogey you know what i mean yeah. like he doesn't really fit on the team that has bogey and aj already on it but you can't draft because exactly. of bogey like so anyway i'll tee you up there what do you think about jordan hawkins beyond what you just said
1: yeah, no, I think for me, um, he definitely has, like, the size concerns. Like, I think he's somebody who will, um, you know, against bigger two guards. Like, if he has to play against, like, playing against a guy like Bogdan, I think he would actually really struggle because Bogdan is really strong. He's really good at getting under people and, and you know, getting to his spots, especially when he's healthy, he's been capable of doing that. Um, so I do think there's going to be some stuff there. But generally, I feel pretty good about, like, his off-ball instincts. I think he's a really good screen navigator at his size. Um, and he competes like he he has really solid functional strength, and he's going to be extremely. Uh, he he will work his his butt off to to not be a negative. So I automatically am just kind of bought into somebody who can do that. Um, especially because if you think about it too, he's not going to be the first guy getting targeted for the most point <laughs> no. on uh on this, and even even then, like I think he's just somebody who like even if he's um put in a screening action or like asked to or like the, a defense, I mean an offense is trying to you know, kind of put him in into something. I think that he's somebody who is competing to get back into the play and he doesn't just die on, you know, initial contact. And that matters to me a lot. Um, I think it's just more so like, I think the offense is that good. Like, I think that as good as AJ is, I think he's a like, Jordan's a better movement shooter coming out of college than AJ was like AJ was, a good shooter, like I think it was more about like what he could do as a as a pull up threat and yeah, um, kind of creating for himself. And I think Jordan is so much more about what he can do with moving without the ball and um, being that kind of threat as well. Um, and then you go off that too, like I think he's a he's got a little bit better of a feel for for the game than AJ. Like I think AJ's feel for the game is fine. It looked honestly a little bit better this past year than it did at Duke because he was just in a I thought the system was a lot better for him. Um, but Jordan is like. He still needs to work on repping out some of the stuff on the second and third level. I think that's going to be the biggest swing skill for him is, you know, how how much he can become a three-level scorer. But with how good the three-point shooting is and how um, – how how like the things that he's shown as a, as a playmaker out of drawing two to the ball, I'm really confident, especially on him, you know, being more of a second-side guy, playing off of Trey or playing off of DeJounte. I feel really good about him being able to consistently make those reads and and go from there. And like I just I'm really confident in in developing finishing for guys. Like some guys it, it may just never come for, but he put on shoot, I think like 15 pounds between his freshman and sophomore year. I think that's the continued track for him. I don't like, you know, I'm not expecting him to end up looking like, you know, Luke Keekly out there, but <laughs> I, I am expecting him to like he'll he'll probably round out a little bit more and get stronger. And I think a lot of it is figuring out balance and and pacing and how to attack with, with more, um, tempo. And that takes normally a guy's entire rookie contract to get through that. So it it will take some time to get there, but I do think there's legitimate, like secondary, um, saying star feels loaded, but I do think like, he's a guy like, to me, if, if he averaged 20 points per game, a couple of seasons in the league, it wouldn't be crazy to me. Um, like I think that he's going, but he has the potential to be that level of player. I think he's very much in sort of the, uh, like KCP mold, but he's a
0: better shooter coming out. Do you think he can? Obviously, this is a very broad question. Intentionally, do you think he, do you think he, he can defend enough? Because in, in Atlanta, that's that'd be the primary concern. I would have the offense. I don't really worry about too much. It's that if you put him on the court. With Trey, or especially with Trey and DeJounte, that'd be pretty small, obviously. But what do you think of his defense in general with, with Hawkins? Because that's kind of, I think, where he might um, – not, not that his make or break. I think he can be a good NBA player, even if he's a bad defender, honestly, because he's pretty skilled like you just laid out. But for the Hawks, they kind of need uh, to avoid another uh, huge target on their backs if they can help it on, on defense.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I feel uh, – I generally have liked his defense a lot more than I think he – Tends to get credit for because, again, like you look at him you're like, oh, well, he must get eaten alive on defense. And yeah. I generally think like he's going to be someone who always probably trends more towards being average um, just until he gets stronger. But you could take um, average,
0: average, average would be fine for what he is, by the way. That'd, that'd yeah. Be- like
1: I think the best way to put it for me is he is generally a pretty good off ball defender. I just think the issue is more on, OK, what happens if he does have to deal with some size mismatch stuff? Like I think he's at least for his rookie year, for sure. I think he's pretty straight up. Should just be guarding ones and twos, and so that makes it a lot more. Especially when okay, if you have Trey and Dejounte on the floor, how yeah. do you make that happen? Because I <laughs> yeah. still like generally. I don't. I don't. We haven't talked about Dejounte in a minute. I just am lower on his defense in general than I think. Oh, Mark, I, I, I has uh, been.
0: I think I um, think Hawks fans got tired of me talking about how probably. much I was very low on Dejounte's defense this year. So I think we are aligned on that. He was. I, yeah. I think I thought he was like pretty flat out bad this year defensively, to be honest. So. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I probably wasn't at bad. I just think, like, the the great plays look
1: awesome. And the I, I he's he's very gamble-heavy. And I think he that is. worked for that Spurs team when he made all defense. But he has lost a little bit of a step since then. Understandably, he had the injury. Um, but also, I just – he generally hasn't been as good guarding up as I think he used to be. Um, and maybe with him having the ball in his hands less, which that doesn't seem to be where they're headed towards, like, that would be less of a thing. But – Um, Yeah. And that is, I'm not just trying to make this a slander. He does really good things defensively. I just think for this team, the him covering all of Trey's mistakes in the backcourt is not what I think it got made out to be at points. Um, (laughs) But point being, so I do think it makes it like very tough lineup wise in some ways to make Jordan work. But at the same time, I think like one of the things I try and weigh more defensively now is how important it is to make baskets. Like that sounds so dumb, but I feel like every time I talk to a coach when it's about, you know, like, oh, well, you know, defense just kind of wasn't working today. What what do you think the biggest factor was or, or, you know, what hurt? Like, we're one and done in offense. Like, it was the same way of, like, talking about, like, again, very niche reference, but I know you're going to get it. Like, Michigan State football in the mid-2010s. Like, okay, well, <laughs> our offense just went three and out, and we had to have the defense on the field for 75% of the possessions. I wonder why we lost the game. Like, yep. I think part of it, like just having the ability to be more efficient on offense or open things up more um, does matter for being better defensively. Um, so I know that's like, that's a reach, but I, I generally No, it's feel not, like it's not. It, I don't think it is. Best way for me to put it, he's not, uh, he's a solid enough defender where I at least track him being such that I would not be, um, like I would at least think about it even with Bogdan on the roster.
0: I know I mentioned him briefly a second ago, but I want to ask about Grady Dick because he's a guy that, for for reasons that I thought he was going to be off the board probably, I haven't talked about a lot on this podcast. I've written about mm-hmm. him other places and stuff like that, but I think he's at least conceivably available for the Hawks, potentially. Um, not the same player as Hawkins, but you know, similar appeal as far as the shooting is concerned. Um, the defense was interesting at times i don't think it was as bad as it was made out to be kind of like hawkins in some respects but um do you like i guess you have to go tell me who you you like better but what do you make of grady dick as a prospect and also the fit in atlanta
1: i really like grady um and much like you i've I've been a little bit i think part of it's been people are getting enamored with guys who are working out well and so they're raising up because of um you know what exacts i have to say on the phone but um (laughs) i think for me with grady like he's somebody who I felt better about as the year went on. Like I, it's easy to undersell how difficult it is to go from playing like a regular defense to like, Hey, we're going to play no middle defense like Kansas did this year. Like that's really difficult to, uh, to adjust to. And I talked to Grady about this um, shoot, I think probably last month on a, on a Twitter space is like talking about like, you know, what was it like trying to adapt and play defense at the college level? Because like point blank period watching him, like, he was a fish out of water his first early on shoot, yeah. probably month. Like, yep. and then they hit early big 12 play, like probably four or five games in. And he's like, Hey, you know, he's starting to kind of find his way. He's making plays again. He's not getting beat the same way he was, especially going back Cause I think it's easy to look at, like, especially when you're watching a defense that you're not used to watching. It's like, Oh, this guy's getting beat back door a lot. I'm like, Okay, well, why? Like, it, I don't, I've never thought that Grady has like bad awareness or that it's like him just, not paying attention. I just think it's really easy when you're a new kid coming and playing in a power five conference, it's really easy to get like kind of overwhelmed with dealing some with some of that stuff on the defensive end. And I think he got a lot better at it. And I think there are going to be some, some things like the screen navigation really needs to continue getting better. I do think it got better at points throughout the year. I don't think he got back to it as much as the year went on. Like he improved on that. Um, And I also think he's got awesome hands. Like he's really good at Even if he is getting beat, which yes, you never want somebody to get beat, but if he is getting beat by virtue of being six, seven and having a plus wingspan, like he's got really good coordination and pulls off some really impressive back taps and steals. And that's part of like, for me, like just to unveil, like I would pick Grady over, over Jordan, especially for the Hawks. I think it, you know, I honestly, I think kind of anywhere I would pick Grady over Jordan. Um, But I think like for the Hawks, when you're looking at a team, like even if he's, I would say Jordan is a better defender at this stage than Grady, hmm. but Grady has the ability to come in and just by virtue of being bigger, like you can trust him to be on the court more, or at least try and put him out on the court more. Um, and that's without really having a lot of offensive fall off. Like he's really good moving without the ball. He's an exceptional cutter. Um, I'm a believer in the shot, like just hitting from day one. Um I'm probably less optimistic on some of the on ball stuff than others have been, which is why I was like I I've, I've been teetering around like top ten with him the entire year. I think he was like around nine to twelve for me the entire year. Some people got higher than that. I was never quite there because I just I'm not like a huge believer in his handle or um or or burst off the ball. But point being, like I think that there is some ability for him to continue growing in that. Um, like again, like he's six seven, really high release point they did it a little bit at Kansas and I think you saw it more with him at sunrise when he was playing uh, in high school where, you know, he'll get opportunities to uh like, okay, same, same like kind of like we saw with, with Clay Thompson in the NBA, as he evolved, like, okay, if, if they put somebody smaller on you to try and run you off screens and stick to you, well, maybe we just throw in a post up and it's like, okay, well, you're just so tall. You have this high release point. And this guy can't <laughs> yeah. guard you. Like, I do think there's room for that to grow, but it's, That's going to take more time than I think it gets credit for. Um, It's a lot of words to say. I really like Brady Dick and think he'd be a good fit for
0: this team. I like him too. And uh, he's a guy, again, I will admit, I I kind of not crossed off, but just was thought, oh, he'll probably be gone. And now I think he might actually fall. So we will see. All right. That is it for part one of this two-part episode with myself and Mark talking about the NBA draft, the Hawks, and everything else. Part two should be available in your podcast feed of choice right now. So please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, YouTube on the video side, anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon work, Patreon.com/slash BT Roland, and we'll see everybody next time.